Hey everybody, it's Eric with Leaning Middle, talking today about my new podcast called Conflict Week. It's a bite-sized look at different conflicts that are underreported happening around the globe. Check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform that you use to listen to podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's episode of Leaning Middle. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. Welcome back to Leaning Middle, everybody. This week, we are going to discuss the infamous phone call of Donald Trump and the state of Georgia and uh, what was actually discussed and uh, what the implications are. And then also, we are on Election Day in Georgia, so a lot riding on that. So those two kind of tie together in in, uh, all in, in the end result of what this is, this catastrophe is going to finally look like. So um, my name is Brian. And I am Eric. And this is Leaning Middle. So, so man, go for it. <laughs> talk, talk about a week of political chaos. Um, and I was, I was thinking about this today where there's so much pointless chaos happening in politics right now. You know, where we have these, you know, the phone call we're about to get into. We have both chambers of Congress getting ready to not uh, to declare that there's issues with certain states uh, electorates for the presidential election. And it's just I've never seen so many different lawsuits and ups and downs and corkscrews happening in Washington when absolutely none of it will impact anything. That's the weirdest part of it all to me right now is we're seeing so much movement that has been acknowledged from both sides will not change the outcome of the election. But it's still taking place to where the media is now billing it almost like a nail biter when, you know, Biden won the game two months ago. It's 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 bizarre. The the media is doing it as a nail biter because they need ratings, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and their job is to to garner viewers and you know who's going to tune in tonight to watch the the election coverage i i don't i mean my gosh it's interesting but i think what what really what you're seeing right now is just the overall frustration boiling over agreed and because and, what what's really going on you and i've talked about this uh, over the the past week what's really going on is nothing good for the the nation you know, Trump's administration has not um, shown any concern or detail or direction for the rollout of vaccines. Yep. You know, you, you have we were told we'd have 20 million vaccines out by the end of the year. We're sitting at roughly two, a yep. little over two million. Um, and they're blaming it on the states and everybody else. Of course, um, because the buck know, is eternally passed. Right. And so. You have that, but he's he's not even focused on any of that. He's not focused on anything except overturning this election. And, and there doesn't no... seem to be a way to do it. Well, there isn't a way because, like, the Constitution 
protects it. There's only one way that this election can be overturned. And that's what it seems like the people who, you know, there's conspiracy theories here and there, but they're ignoring the one major fact that the Senate and the House both need to vote in majority of kicking it back to the state legislatures, which would require the democratically controlled House to vote against Biden as president. Yeah, that, that's that's that, not going to happen. It's, it wouldn't happen. And that's what I don't understand. Like, and that's what um, the gentleman out of the senator out of South Carolina, not Lindsey Graham, um, the other gentleman, he came out today against it, though being a Republican, and said just that. He's like, this is a completely futile and pointless exercise, and I'm simply not endorsing it because we're wasting time by trying it. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I appreciate a Republican who can just look at it objectively and say, like, this is a stupid dog and pony show and I want no part of it. And it's like, that's the kind of energy I want from my politicians on both sides moving forward is I don't want yeah. to be part of the circus. Well, and, and I think that that's what what the nation is looking for. Unfortunately, for the Republican Party, that is not what the the Republican party is providing. And I, I think yeah. that that really is, you're starting to see some of the more um, astute politicians separate yes. themselves a little bit. But what what's really frustrating for me is that none of this is, is benefiting anything other than these people trying to get ready for a run for the presidency in 2024. No, exactly. They're playing with people's emotions and they're abusing the support and the loyalty of Donald Trump's supporters and base by they know this isn't going to change anything. They know Biden's the next president, but people like Ted Cruz or Hawley out of Missouri, you know, want to put their name. They want to get branded as that Trump guy, which I just think I don't understand why Ted Cruz would ever want to run for president again and why he thinks that would go well. Um, no, he's just a genuinely like generally unlikable individual. And if the Republicans want to have a shot, I think this last election's proven that they really need to not pick somebody who is a, a divisive, you know, Trump loyalist. Because the election people will turn out again, you know, the Lincoln Project will turn out again. They'll make sure these people that have built themselves as Trumpers will have problems moving forward. You know, history will not look at what they did kindly once we start getting into a bit of recovery economically and pandemically. It's going to be really, really hard to justify what happened under Donald Trump when the nation just naturally starts to improve over time because that's where we're heading and that's how pandemics go. Yeah, it's and, and I'm not trying to get us off of the topic of Georgia, but this all kind of kind oh, of it all in ties because, in. Absolutely. You know, I mean, what Georgia or when Trump came out last night and did his rally and just the absurdities that, that he was was putting out there. And, and I think that's it. My frustration with this whole situation has just been elevating and elevating and elevating to the point where I'm just mad now. Like I'm, yeah. I'm getting past frustration. And I'm just getting mad because there's so many things for us to be focusing on right now. And I know, I know. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, how is this benefiting at all? Do you really want to be known as the president that had to stage a coup? 
to stay in power. And if he does, what he's just going to spend the next four years getting himself ready for a, another run at it and, and figuring out how to change the laws so that he could be Putin and stay in power longer than than normal that's the thing you know everybody will say like what my one of my biggest things that i laugh at is when people talk about the good that trump's done on the korean peninsula because there has been none you know there's a reason why barack obama never visited with kim jong-il it's because he doesn't need to it's because they Mm -hmm. are nobody on the world scale they're an annoying kick that'll crop up every now and again and be a little crazy and yeah maybe they're a live wire but at the same time them attacking anybody is just egg on the face of china and russia they they just won't they won't step out of bounds they'll posture they want to be taken seriously but they're a hermit kingdom that has a gdp that's like lower than the city of los angeles we don't need to be paying attention to them but right trump wants to go over there He wants to go over to Turkey and meet with Ergodon. He wants to go over to Russia and meet with Putin. It's because he sees, I mean, it's bad to say, but it's literally the plot of Borat too. Like they want to, there's the strongman alliance, these kind of authoritarian leaders that are, have successfully created autocratic um, dictatorships in some levels or just autocratic failing democracies and others. But he wants to be part of that club. Like that's who he admires. And that is what's yeah. so disturbing is like, okay, we just well, do not need to be affiliated with all of these people who are, you know, creating human rights abuses for their people for photo opportunities from our president. Yeah. And yeah, and it just, it's getting more and more blatant. I mean, like with this phone call in Georgia, I mean, he's not even hiding it. And it's, you would have thought he would have, um, learned his lesson by the Ukrainian impeachment. I mean, getting impeached is, is fairly serious deal, right? I mean, it's not like, uh, it is. And it, okay, the, sorry. The Which, problem is, um, is the failed impeachment. It only emboldened him. It literally right. t- looked at him. And while the, the rest of the Republicans covered for him because they were being good to dad, They didn't then realize that Donald Trump doesn't have the mental capacity to even absorb the fact that he then cannot go back and do that again. But now he's already been cleared of basically doing the exact same thing. So why would this time be any different? And it's not. You already see Republican people trying to cover for him and say this and that or they're not worried. And it's because, you know, I think it's partially they know he's out the door and there's really nothing he's going to do to uh, change that but at the same other side of it it's just like imagine if a democrat did something like that it's so to me that's the insanity part of it is they're saying well he's on his way out the door and there's really nothing that he can do to hurt or or overturn this thing so we're just going to appease him on this i know the Um, indulgence like he's a child for some reason and i i cannot comprehend it because it's at the stake of the american people yeah and you're literally ripping the foundation of our country apart right now i mean the the confidence in fair elections is a a a all-time low Yep. And all because of disinformation that this president is putting out there that he still yet had to produce any evidence that it's actually happening. And you've got third party groups that are saying we haven't seen it. You got states coming out saying we there's no no evidence of this. 
And yeah, the Supreme the Court. He, you got the Supreme Court. The one lesson he learned from that whole impeachment in Ukrainian deal is that he can do this and get away with it. Yeah, that he will not be and, held accountable because people are scared of their political future. And that's, he doesn't even have to try and hide it. And that's exactly what happened with this call. So let's let's jump into that call because I, I could sit here and um, go on on this this rant for the rest of the day. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. We could stay on talking about how insane the last two weeks have been constantly. But yeah. let's zoom into the most insane part of those two weeks. Donald yep. Trump's conversation with himself, a couple of his attorneys, Mark Meadows, his chief of staff. And uh, Raspringer, the uh, Georgia Secretary of State. And just to start it off, this was about an hour-long phone call. Um, they, everybody knew it was being recorded. The Secretary of State from Georgia took the recording and leaked it directly to the Washington Post, basically saying, this is literally what's happening behind the scenes. This is how effing insane this has all got. And immediately the news broke that Donald Trump asked him very explicitly to find the exact number of votes needed to turn the election in Georgia to the presidency. It seems that Donald Trump has become fixated on the state of Georgia because it is especially humiliating. It hasn't been blue in decades, and he is the first president to lose it since Carter. So this one is, seems to be hurting him uh, more than anything. It seems that he hasn't even focused on Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, or Nevada anymore. And all efforts are being spent on Georgia, almost like a weird consolation prize. I'm not sure what the whole move is, but what are your thoughts on everything? Um, uh, you know, I read a little bit of... Uh, some of it. I didn't. I did not read the transcript, and I have not listened to all of the audio tapes. I, I kind of purposely uh, wanted to not get too down, too down into that because I knew you were going there, and I wanted to t- uh, take a little bit more of a global approach and kind of keep it and, and ask some questions for this episode. But some of the things that that I got from that was, um, you know, just the. He has no method, like, and, and he has no, from what I understand, no direction that they're really trying to go. He was all over the board with his numbers. And to me, that, that really, there didn't seem to be a plan other than, hey, I'm going to get on the phone and just talk these guys into what I want to do or, yeah. or strong arm them into what I want to do. I mean, one minute he's talking about, you know, that we won uh, every single state. And okay, well, that's not true. Um, number then, then he's talking about we need we won Georgia by half a million votes, but we don't need half a million votes. We only need uh, to win by two votes. So find me uh, eleven thousand seven hundred and and seventy eight votes plus one. Yeah, and then he's talking about how we only need two thousand votes, and then he's talking about uh, you know I I easily won by five hundred thousand, and then. A couple sentences later, I easily won by 400,000. Like he just, there doesn't seem to be any direction or actual thought out strategy to what they're doing. And and that to me is the works of someone who is either completely lost touch with reality. Exactly. And they, and they can't form 
that that specific thing? It's the deranged uh, ramblings of a madman at this point. I mean, it, there is nothing based in reality about this, and it, it's what's kind of frustrating me with it still getting fair coverage and still being these huge ideas and people giving it credence at high levels of politics is there is nothing based in reality. I just, I I don't, it it is unbelievable what we're seeing take place in terms of how America's comprehend truth and how they trust public officials that we'll see generational ripples from. I, I have absolutely no idea what, what the end result is going to be here, but I do know that they have interviewed several people uh, today standing in lines, and they're talking about how the only reason they're voting uh, is to see if their vote counts, but they're sure it's not, and that Trump won, and that if, he, if they lose Georgia, um, we're going to go into a civil war. I, I heard that a couple times today. And it, it's all this is doing is driving a wedge. And, and I'm really trying to understand because I, I have some thoughts and I really don't want to be that guy that goes on the podcast and, and says these deranged conspiracy theories. But I'm, I, I'm getting really concerned on what Trump's actual goal is versus his perceived goals. Oh, I mean, at this point, there's only one thing Trump has a goal, and that is to stay in power at any cost there. And if it comes to violence and if it comes to being able to actually try to conduct some sort of martial law, he will absolutely attempt to do that. But he does not have. He made a half effort on on that today when um, the uh, I told you, Secretary of State earlier, and, and you almost lost it. Uh, but it was actually the attorney general, right? Yeah, Northern Atlanta was uh, of Northern stepped, Atlanta. I'm sorry, Northern Georgia, which includes Atlanta, but it, and, and Fulton. Fulton. Yeah, and that is uh, that is him stepping down for some unforeseen reason, and a Trump appointee has been put in place there. That being said, that won't really change the outcome of any of the completed investigations, which they've done several, and now they've even done signature verifications, and they're just not finding any fraud. We've had three recounts of the state. It's getting ridiculous. (laughs) Well, but here's my thing is you have this call that took place, what, yesterday or Sunday? I can't remember. I think it was Sunday. Took place on Sunday. He was in Georgia last night doing a rally. And then today he's replacing attorney generals, which he has the right to do. But my thing is that's a lot of action in that one particular area. And especially a lot of action in the Fulton area, which is where he's focusing on. And it makes me uneasy that, these tapes come out and then immediately after that, he's at a, a rally rallying against people, even against Republicans who aren't standing up for now. Him. He was at he the rally in, specifically for the Senate race that, that should be noted. Correct. He wasn't there rallying support for his causes, but none, no. nonetheless, just for clarification for anybody listening. Yeah. But yeah. 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 No, absolutely. But, he spent more time talking about his situation than he did oh, 100%. The, yeah. the, the senators. So it's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
the the flip side is then you have this where this guy this attorney general for this northern atlanta and fulton county all of a sudden steps down for unforeseen circumstances and then trump's ready to go with this other guy immediately well this all happens in one day i'm curious if his replacement wasn't anybody acting in the justice department i'm not sure um i actually have that right here is it a logical um, pick or is it a very left field pick because you know it could be a line of succession to some degree Without a doubt, I mean, I'll say that to preface that statement, I should have said, I have full confidence that Donald Trump will try to do anything that'll give him an edge in any situation. So I have no doubt that there is some political motivation behind this, but I am curious if it's outrageous, like a Betsy DeVos appointment or more understanding the Justice Department said that the Southern District of Georgia's U.S. Attorney Bobby Christine, who is also a Trump appointee and has been on the job since 2017, would take over as acting head in Atlanta, taking on both roles. Okay, so that isn't terrible. It's a little unusual, but even even at that point, it would not really change the ability to do yeah. investigations because without any sort of involvement or want from the local state government, it's really not going to get off the ground. So I don't see that making a big difference, but I think what is so important from that phone call that a lot of people are saying, Oh, you know, he wasn't asking for a quid pro quo. He was talking in hypotheticals. He was frustrated. I'm hearing somebody who's exhausted. You know, the common responses I've heard from uh, Republicans and Republican talking heads on different news outlets and print, is I, I, I get that, and I get that we love to make excuses for Donald Trump's addition constantly. But the flip side of it is we like he asked for a specific number. That is the most damning thing in my opinion. You know, he didn't say, Oh, we need to, you know, find the fraud. I know there's fraud. I want to make sure that everything's counted specifically. I want to make sure things I want to make sure things are done correctly. It wasn't about fraud. It was about 11,800 votes or whatever the number is. I think it was 11,800. But like you said, plus 11,780. And 80, exactly. Plus one. And it's like if he could get that, he was fine. And that is what is so insidious and damning, in my opinion, is this has never been about fraud. This has never been about exposing fraud. This is, uh, is about manipulating and using his power to subject his will upon the will of the American people, which chose to vote him out of office. Yeah. Well, and I, I find it also very peculiar that he, he basically gives them the lies to tell. Just, just say you miscounted. Just say you found him. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> exactly. Just say this, which is, is basically going – just lie to everybody. I do it all the time and it's just fine. And it has continually worked out for me. I'm president. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I guess, you know, I'll just be honest where I'm really pissed off right now is what this is doing to the Republican party, because that call really set the tone. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing online where, where people are going, I have been a registered Republican for um, most of my life. And this is the first time I voted Democrat because I'm sick and tired of all this BS that's going on. And that's what's really frustrating to me is 
you know, I'm not ready for the Republican Party to just dissipate. I'm not ready for it to split. I'm not ready for it to, um, you know, go away. But that's exactly what's happening here. Yep. And, and I'm mad because the values that are used to balance our nation are being attacked and people are throwing their hands up right now. And they're going, you know what? I'm over this. I'm done with it. And fine here. And they're surrendering and, and they're, they're going to a side that they don't agree with because their point of view is so much under attack and under such a microscope and being blown out of proportion and there's so much disinformation out there that people are really, they don't even know what they believe anymore. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, the, it's the amount of distrust in the election process. And that's what's so frustrating to me is we saw Donald Trump instill this level of distrust in the process. I mean, immediately, like he was talking back in February about how they were going to, you know, when we obviously knew the pandemic was about to pick up that mail-in voting, that there was going to be fraud. He was just priming everybody for what was exactly going to happen, which was a lot of mail-in votes were going to come in after the polls had closed and push Biden over the edge. He primed people. He sowed that mistrust. His Cinco fans echoed it and echoed it and echoed it. And then when this all took place and happened, we then had those same sycophants who knew what they were doing, turning around and saying, oh, now we need to do an investigation into the election to restore the people's trust in the electoral process when they are the ones that unneededly destroyed that trust. Mm-hmm. It, it exactly. is, that's, that's what throws me so off is like this is supposed to be a party that's about financial conservatism. But let's burn as much money as we can gaslighting the American people and then spend more money to repair the gaslighting we did. Or at least that's the yeah. narrative that they're actually putting forth. That is the legitimate narrative. So it just it is so mind bending that we're at this point, because like you said, you know, you look at old school Republicans from just, you know, as recent as 2012 you got Mitt Romney you have John McCain you have these people who held those values and were fighting for them and there was a lot of disagreements about you know bits and pieces but overall there was a hope to make America a better place not divide it and make it more easily to control and that's what is worrying me is it seems that Republicans are only focused about staying in power and I'm not saying the Democrats are much better. I have I can go off on them, but they're not under the microscope right now. We'll have enough time to drill down on them over the next four years, I am sure. But for, yeah, absolutely. It is just continually <laughs> this spinning the wheels in the mud attitude of saying like we're trying to help you, and it's like it's creating crises and then solving them. That is confusing me because it's not using our tax dollars well, wisely. Yeah. And I mean, we could sit here and just go on and on and on. But when one of the things that makes me mad about this phone call is not that not it's everything that took place in the phone call, but it is initially that there was even a phone call. Yeah. And apparently it was not the first phone call. It's like, no, it's got to the point where he was like, I'm going to release this recording now. Yeah. Well, according to White, White House logs, they tried to reach out to this guy 18 times. 
I can't and he never, imagine. He never picked up the phone. That is a psychotic ex-partner move, you know, is let me call 18 times back to back to back. Not something that the president should ever be doing for something in his own personal interest. No. And, I mean, it's... I wish he that, made 18 that is phone is... calls to help with vaccine distribution. Or 18 phone calls to help with the... Um, negotiations of the stimulus package that he basically had his team negotiate and then he bombed right there at the end. Yeah, then he burned it to the ground out of spite, you know. And so, but yeah, I'm with you. Get 18 phone calls to to people in, in states to get these vaccines out. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no reason we should be sitting at the number that we're sitting at right now when we have available vaccines. Vaccines don't work if they're on the shelf. Exactly. And so that's, I I think that about this whole Georgia call, that's what makes me most upset is that it even took place. That this is how he's spending his time and energy when there's so much wrong with the country that needs desperate help. He is making 18 phone calls to the secretary of state to tell him to And and playing golf, you know, uh, he went and played another round of golf. Sunday or Monday or something like that. I mean, there's just too much going on and and too much being ignored for anybody to feel comfortable with this. And, you know, the other thing is the, the Republicans are, are all about conservatism, financial conservatism, mm-hmm. yet a combined $500 million was spent in Georgia for this one Senate runoff election. Yeah. How is that financial conservatism? Like, they don't care about values anymore. And, and this is on both sides. Oh, they, I all 100% they care about agree. Is, is their power, their position, and, and everything else. Ted Cruz is an example of this with him wanting to make another run at the presidency. Um, Marco Rubio, you know, same thing. He, he, has no, he has no reason to even be remotely considered for another run at at president but he's gonna make it yep you know and there's a a senator and i was just looking for his name a few minutes ago it's either a senator or a congressman and he's either out of indiana or illinois so i'm sorry that's extremely vague (laughs) but they they were interviewing him the other day and they were interviewing him because he came out and said enough is enough like this has to stop and they're like don't you kind of feel like you're on an island and he was like yeah he goes "I, i totally do because everybody else is involved in this this whole thing. And they even played a, a clip of um, Howley a year ago saying that this is unconstitutional and you shouldn't be able to challenge a, an election and, and everything like that in the Electoral College. And then he's the first one that's going to challenge it. Yep. But, yes. but anyways, anyways, so this this congressman, he made he made a really good speech. But at the end of it, the, the thing that stuck out to me was he goes, listen, the the Republican Party is challenging this and they're fighting this and it's wrong. And he goes, but in four years, if a Republican president uh, or a Republican candidate becomes president, he goes, I don't think you would see the Democrats doing this. He goes, I really don't. He goes, but if they were to challenge it like this, then nobody in the Republican Party has any moral ground to get mad and, and, and argue with them. Exactly. And he's like, to, to me, the Republican party has sold their morals 
to this president. They have. And it's it's a just an astounding lack of foresight is what kind of confuses me. Is they 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 clearly see that they're losing control. I mean, you have all projections. Unfortunately, over time society progresses in a liberal direction. You know, it's it's the reason why civil rights happened and then women got the right to vote. It's like over time it just goes in that direction and who knows if there's a limit. That's what's so scary for some people, but that's what the trend of society is. It's going to progress more socially liberal, um, especially in American history. So it's really difficult for the conservatives to kind of cling to power, and that's why they've done a really good job of filling um, the judiciary branches across all levels of government with conservative judges, which I think to a degree isn't a bad thing because I think it's good to have that balance as you know maybe higher level politics – stray more liberal in state legislatures you still see a lot of conservative control so that's positive but overall you know more people are going to cities even more smaller cities somewhere like lubbock is starting to vote more and more blue when this might flip who knows i mean this is a very aggressively republican place but still it's those margins that they're losing every single year and they're not gaining margins back in the areas that they need to so they know without doing some sort of drastic measure that I guess that's how they feel since that's what they're doing. You know, they're kind of burning the house down in hopes of keeping it in hopes of continuing to live in it almost, which is, it just, it boggles my mind because in four years, they're going to be, like you said, they're going to be in ruins and shambles trying to figure out what to do. Yep. And it, it's really frustrating for, people who still have those conservative uh, values, yet when you go and you say, I'm a Republican, you're immediately tied to Trump. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be tied to Trump. And I would absolutely be um, disgraced if I was a, a congressman or a, a, a senator or somebody in politics, and I, I'm trying to fight to do what's right for my community and everything else, and I'm being lumped in with his sociopathic policies. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm, I've been fired up about this for, I'm getting more and more fired up about it because the behavior is, it's just not what is expected of a politician. It, it actually, it is, it is expected. It's not what I want to be expected for my son to learn. Exactly. And, and, you know, this isn't, they're supposed to be responsible adults who are able to talk things out. We tell our kids not to name call. We tell our kids not to um, talk ugly, ugly or bully each other. Yet it's all over the TV. It's all over the news. It's all over social media. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what are you supposed to do? And these are the ones that, you know, I want my son to grow up and go, I can be president of the United States. Instead, he's going, I don't want to be president of the United States. Look at this. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't blame you. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's a mess. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's going to get for... worse before it gets better, but it's, it's just bad right now. I agree, because even for the people that say, you know what, I want to get into politics and I want to help people. I want to listen to both sides. You know, as soon as they'll establish themselves as a Republican or as a Democrat, they'll get such a huge majority of people to just automatically hate them. 
before actually learning yeah. about what they want to do and what their vision is. And that's what's so disappointing to me is we've hit this point where there's so much division. As soon as you hear somebody's a Republican or a Democrat, you immediately have a mindset of what they stand for. And I would say a vast majority of the country will immediately say, just based off that letter next to their name, whether they support them or not, which makes healing and unity and people who want to get into politics, not just for power, but for actual good. It's a daunting task ahead. Well, and, and that's exactly what this Georgia call did. It really hurt politics in general. Yeah. And, and I think there's really, it's, it's going to be a hard road coming back. I, I feel for, for Biden, you know, I was thinking about this the mm-hmm. other day, that guy has dedicated his life to, to public service and to politics. And, and has he benefited from it? Absolutely. I mean, the guy's a millionaire, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's written books, he's talking engagements, he, he's got power, yep. uh, you know, and, and that comes from, but he's been in the, the, in the government for over 40 years. The guy paid his dues. He lost a couple couple rounds and everything else. He, and he's gotten his black eyes. That's what's kind of great about Biden, though, is he's not the superstar. You know, he's your average Joe. It's kind of, yeah. it's if well, anybody's going to have a shot at fixing it, it's the guy who isn't, you know, going to push the super conservative, super progressive agenda. And he has the experience and the know-how in government to kind of make everybody happy and kind of just lower tensions that's my hope for him well that that's my hope what i feel bad about him for though is you know this guy this is what he's been working for for so long and then he gets it in the middle of a global pandemic so the inauguration which is you know one of the great great aspects of this whole transition of power the inauguration is going to be small um he's he's not going to have the fanfare um, you know, and then he is walking into the absolute worst dumpster fire I could possibly imagine. I will you know, say he's, this he's got... is I don't think Biden would have run if Donald Trump wasn't president. I He would never okay. have been back in 2020 if he didn't feel that he literally needed to do this. I think yeah. but Joe Biden's looking at the next four years as his God-given task. You know, I know he's a very full of faith man. He has worked tirelessly to, you know, like you said, in public office. And now he's at a point where he sees the world at a place where so many people came to him and said, you're the person, you're the person that needs to unify this country. Like you're the only person in the Democratic Party who has that level of reach, you know, who's still eligible to run for president. And I think he stepped up specifically to... because of that. And then he was chosen, you know, in the primary and it it bled over. So I think to me, I don't know if he's even that broken up about not being able to get the fanfare in a weird way. He might also almost be happier that he's not getting it. Yeah, that's, that is very true. So, well, what is your takeaway of the, the Georgia call? I know we we really meant to get deeper into that, but uh, uh, you know, it kind of got sidetracked. Yeah. Covered all the political implications of it and really what, you know, how it's going to look moving down the pipe, because this was a red line that was crossed. You know, that's my final takeaway is this is, you know, this has crossed the line from crazy rhetoric and frivolous lawsuits into straight up sedition. And that, that was a direct attack on our democracy on the vote of 
tens of thousands of people at, at points in the call on millions of people. And that's what it comes down to is we, we, we will be seeing the implications of this call um, in many ways over the next several years. And it, I just, I worry that a precedent was set that'll be uh, repeated, but only time will tell. I, my question to you is, did you hear or see enough in there for charges? So the charges gets very, very, very confusing because it all kind of breaks down to conspiracy and they would need to be investigated by the state as well as the federal level. So at the end of the day, yes, there's enough for charges. Is there enough for a conviction? No. 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 I don't see it. I don't see it pursuing into legal, the legal realm. That is more than enough for impeachment. But um, in terms of actual what it would take for the Justice Department to go in and do that to an ex-president and the kind of uproar it would cause, I don't think they'd ever land a conviction. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Well, that wraps it up for the uh, Georgia conversation, plus a bunch of other stuff. So if you liked what you heard today, definitely check us out on Twitter um, and uh, our website. And it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. It is time for us to get and figure out how to get to the middle. Yes. And we look forward to exploring that common ground with you on the next episode. Make sure to subscribe, rate, like us. I'm sure you can also, if you haven't listened, you can start in the beginning of our catalog and listen to us get progressively more and more aggressive as uh, politics has devolved further and further as the year has gone on. But definitely share us with uh, whoever you you feel comfortable talking about these issues with, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.